Hi, and welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. Today, I'm joined by Father Andy Boyd and Brother Barnabas. How's it going, gentlemen? Hey, good to be here. Wait, who are you? Long time no see, partner. I know, but I'm thinking more like you just said hi and welcome back. You didn't even say who you are. <laughs> oh, me? Yeah. Well, because everybody knows who I am at this point. Well, what if, what if this is their first foyer into the Encounter Mercy podcast? You guys have only been doing this like a year and a half, and you're already like an old married couple. Yeah, well, <laughs> old married couple. No, that would be that that would be something else. <laughs> hey, just wait. Soon you'll be deacon brother, and then yeah, you'll be right. father brother or brother father. Is that care. how that what goes? How do, yeah? How do you do that? That's going to be. Is it deacon brother Barnabas? Would it be brother deacon Barnabas? Just deacon Barnabas? How, how does that work? I don't know. People just, <laughs> they call you father anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I know. It's so true. So true. Thanks, father. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> the only thing is, is when they say, hey, father, can you hear my confession? I'm not a father yet. Right, right. I've got that too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I was unfortunately unable to join you guys uh, last week, but uh, I finally listened to that podcast. It was a, it was a good one. So anyone who has not listened to basically the, the future of the church, uh, especially with young people, um, go ahead and listen to the last week's episode. Um, that was uh, very insightful. And you know, you, you guys kind of spun it in a way that it is, it's exciting. I think where the, where the church is going, it's unfortunate we're losing some people, but we're going to be a, you know, we may be a smaller church, but we're going to be a stronger church than ever. So yeah, Jesse did a very good job of keeping us organized and on topic and focused, but yeah, he, I'm glad he came up with that idea as a topic because um, it is so very uh, pertinent right now, especially even in our day-to-day uh, -day life as a church, especially as we encounter so many uh, crazy situations and uh, well, maybe some crazy people too. And, you know, and I thought that was gonna be all doom and gloom, but you guys did a good job. But speaking of crazy people, um, we're really going to talk about difficult people tonight. In tonight's podcast, uh, I want to call it Peace Be With You. And Father, uh, you and I tried to record this podcast literally a year ago, actually over a year ago, and we recorded it, but we ended up not sharing it because we just didn't like how how it went. I don't know if you remember that. We were oh, in, in your rectory. No. Yeah. I mean, I remember us having an episode like that. I just couldn't remember what the... We never shared it. Uh, we were both just having a bad time. I think it just turned into a complaint session. And yeah, we decided bad. not to, not to air it. So <laughs> we're going to try this again, uh, like a year and a half later. And this time we have Brother Barnabas to keep us in check. But mm. uh, really, we should have recorded this one a year ago, you know, when we were in the midst and the height of the lockdowns and stuck with people who we might not normally be stuck with for a long period of time, like family or, um, or co-workers in some places where people had to um, quarantine together. And just be around people that you, you you might like normally if you're just in a normal relationship where you get to see them just a couple minutes a day or whatever. But when you're with them all the time, you know, things you might not things might not jive. And uh, and so we really should have had that last year. But better late than never, I always say. And we're always late to the party and last minute, just like when it's coming coming up with ideas for podcast episodes. But that's a story for another day. But I think we've all felt it. Um, you know, whether a family member, classmate, coworker, or neighbor who we just don't like or get along with. And uh, it it's easy to want to make rude comments and it might make us feel good, right? But we know that's not the right thing to do. 
And, you know, like I think about it as a father of like very young children of like having to, you know, tell my kids to, Hey, just get along guys. And don't <laughs> say that. And then, and then like, I want to do that to like a coworker or something else. And then it's like, I got to step back and think like, okay, well, if I'm telling my kids not to do this, maybe I shouldn't be doing this either. But I kind of want to get into that tonight because we all struggle sure. with that and maybe some ways to be able to look past that. Cause these are all God's children, right. That we're dealing with, even though we can't stand them. And, uh, and, and maybe some things we can work through, maybe some personal experiences we can talk about. What do you guys think about that? For sure. You know, it, it's making me think right now, uh, guys, I'm in the process of doing a research paper for a class in the seminary. And uh, I'm exploring what does John Paul II, or particularly when he was Carol Watiwa in Love and Responsibility, say about friendship, Right. So maybe it, it could be helpful even to look at what makes us actually like people, you know, to recognize what what is not there for whenever we have difficult time with people. And the thing that I'm learning is that there's kind of three modes of love toward friendship for Kara Watiwa. Um, one is what he defines as sympathy. And his definition of that is simply something that happens to you. Now, it could happen between two people. Basically, it's just like good feelings toward another that we can't even control. It's like a classic example would be like a crush on somebody. Like, man, you can't control it, but it's like it happens. It just happens. Like, wow. You know? But then the thing is with sympathy, uh, it ha something has to happen to that or it just goes away. It just goes away. So the, th the thing that has to happen to that is what's called friendship. Friendship which friendship can be simply defined as um, desiring uh, for another person what I desire for myself, as if it's myself, you know, willing to go to the other. But then there's another, there's another category of this, and this might fall into our discussion that we have tonight, which is when we find ourselves in comradeship, right? Because I think it can be like, if you don't like somebody or whatever, like you just kind of stay away from them, you forget about it. But if it's like somebody you don't like because like you work with them or like they're in your house or like basically you're, you're on the same team with them of some sort and it just irritates you. You're kind of not friends. You don't have sympathy. So where do they fit? Well, they're kind of comrades with you because you have to like carry on with them, you know. Uh, so what does he say about that, John Paul? He says that um, he says that it's it's not like sympathy because it doesn't it doesn't rest in the emotional place even if we have negative emotions, maybe, right? But uh, it's also not friendship. But it, it is like, okay, there's an objective thing where we're looking toward a common goal, right? And because of that, there's an opportunity for it to grow into some type of friendship. So I would even ask, like, as we have this conversation, do we actually believe that there's an opportunity for these difficult relationships to become something in the future? And I have some good stories of how that has happened in my life, but I'm going to stop talking so much and let you guys say stuff. Well, Father? It was really good points. Uh, what now St. John Paul II said um, to be able to distinguish those kinds of relationships because there's, you know, we, we encounter people, um, we encounter people on a daily basis that um, some people that, you know, we really want to have a relationship with and other people that, we are forced to have a relationship with, um, you know, sometimes like you were suggesting Vince in the beginning about how we should have ha maybe done this topic 
uh, about a year ago when we were stuck to be around people that maybe we don't exactly like, like being with our um, co-workers. You know, sometimes you're forced into a relationship with certain people that um, you would never, first off, you would never, uh, you know, choose to have a relationship with. But um, other times there are people that you would never have originally thought that you'd have a relationship with, right? You know, same thing in, in a in a parish family. You know, there are people, there's all different types of people. There's people that annoy people. There's people that love people uh, out that, you know, go above and beyond. There's people that are just kind of taking it easy and going slow, um, there's people that are jumping in feet first, there's people jumping in head first. And so it's kind of a, uh, you have to pay attention to that whole relationship, the whole kind of uh, building up of that relationship and growing in that sort of area of life. Well, uh, brother, I, I like how you, you talked about, you know, comradeship and kind of what that means. I kind of have like a, a, a story that kind of goes along with that. You know, when I was a firefighter, um, and even when I worked in EMS as well, um, you know, the people I was partnered up with or had to work on a team with didn't always agree with, didn't always like, you know, we always, we, everyone had kind of has people that they're, um, you know, they're attracted to as in like, Hey, we get along and all this stuff, but then there's always somebody on the team that you just can't stand. And, you know, you can fight all day long, but whenever like we had a call or something serious come in or then you just, you have to just get the work done and it doesn't really matter what your relationship is. And, you know, in some cases, you know, people die for each other, um, you know, for people, cause you're, your brothers, you're working together towards this common goal. You may not like each other, but you'll sacrifice, you know, yourself for the other one. But then after that calls over, you got right back to, you know, the same, you know, the, the same issues that you had before. And that was something that I always saw play out, not only in my own life, but in some of my coworkers lives too. It's like, I hate your guts, but when we're on this call, we're going to get it done and we're going to work together and there's going to be no issues. And then afterwards we can go back to fighting. And, uh, I, I don't see that as much in like the regular world. I'm sure it's there to a point and I'm sure more with coworkers and things like that, but I've seen those kind of relationships also really destroy, um, like working relationships and, and things like that too, especially in the more, in the professional world where people just can't get over that for whatever reason. But yeah, it just kind of yeah. made me think of that. I, I've been in some situations that have been like, oh man, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how I'm going to like get through this thing, you know, like this person or whatever, you know? And, um, I guess one word of encouragement that I'd like to share today is that often, um, you know, if there's like an, let's, let's be clear here. If there's some like abusive thing going on, we're not talking about that right now. That needs to be addressed. Get out of that. Call the police you know, go talk to somebody and like, there's a difference there. Uh, I'm talking more about like, all right, you just can't get along with this person and you have different personalities. You're rubbing each other the wrong way, whatever. And I think more often than not, sometimes I realize you just got to like carry on and keep trying anyway. Right. Even if it's like, this is hopeless. Right. And I think, uh, here's a good example. Um, Whenever I was in college, I was a biology major and all the biology kids think they're like the smartest kids in the world, you know, cause they're like science or whatever. Well, the only people that are more, uh, like, what am I trying to say? The, the, no one gets along with the science majors if they're real arrogant, but even worse than that is the science majors to each other, you know, in your own class. 
And I remember sitting in class and there was this new kid in my class who just kept raising his hand and asking questions. And I could feel in my heart thinking, who the heck is this guy? And why is he asking all these questions? So you think, you know, whatever, it's just like something, it was like sympathy in the opposite direction. It was just something that was happening to me that I couldn't control, <laughs> right? And then what happened? We got assigned to a group project together. I was like, oh no, you know? But because I said, all right, fine, let me get into this. I was pleasantly surprised that I got to actually get to know him and work with him. And he became one of my best friends in college, you know, which is really like, I think God does want to surprise us if we just stay in the ring and like kind of put in some effort. Um, so yeah, I think God is a God of surprises if we just embrace the difficulty, do it anyway. Yeah, most certainly. And like one, one thing that I try to, I can't do it all the time just because I can't think of it all the time. But if, if there's, if there's someone who's like in my life who I know is going to be there for a while and they may annoy me on the surface. It's like, now I have to, I still have to self-reflect. Okay. Why are they annoying me? Is it my selfishness that they're annoying me and I'm not listening and I'm just being selfish and I just about me, 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 or is there something else going on? And how can I, how can I love this person? How can I see where from their side of things of where they come from? Because we don't have the same experiences in life to bring us to this point. And so what, what is all that, you know, culminated into what is happening right in front of me to make me like maybe pause and think, okay, maybe I shouldn't have the snarky comment. Maybe I should just try to just make that next step into working with that person or trying to connect with that person, you know, in whatever way, you know, how to be, how to be Christ to that person, mm -hmm. even if you can't stand them or they're driving you nuts or whatever it may be. And I find that usually it's because of life experience and we, none of us have the same one, not even siblings have the same one. So it's sometimes very hard to put yourself in that position. You people, you always hear, hey, put yourself in their shoes. Well, yeah, definitely try. And sometimes you also find that, yeah, you're just being selfish and you just want to talk about you, but it's time to talk about something else or somebody else or deal with somebody else's problem. Yeah. Well, and I think it is, uh, it's it's okay. So like as, as a Benedictine monk, one of the biggest things St. Benedict says, um, that is the worst thing you can do in the monastery is murmuring right? Talking bad about boy and situations. Now I have reflected myself, like you said, Vince, having some reflection time, uh, like I'm an external processor as well. Sometimes, sometimes it's really helpful to have somebody else to like share things with very like unfiltered, just like, what the heck is this? But to like choose a wise and like worthy confidant who will not think less of whoever you're sharing like confusion about or who won't like it. So there's, it's different than murmuring. It's more like, spiritual friendship or brotherhood or spiritual direction for that matter. And, um, you know, just reflecting on these things too, I've thought, well, man, how does God fit into all this? Right. And it struck me one day that how do I know that God hasn't willed it or at least allowed it for this person to be in my life for particular reasons? You know, we talk about growing in virtue as Catholics all the time. We need to grow in virtue. We need to grow in virtue. It's very easy to grow in virtue when there's no anything to push up against in the first place, right? So if there's someone in your life that helps you grow in patience, guess what? Praise God for that person, right? They're helping you grow in virtue. It's pretty easy to grow in virtue with your buddies that get along with you and say nice things, but man. Yeah, I'll amen to that, man. I, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I could use that right now. So, yeah. You know, there's one thing I remember from my very limited memory of um, psychology classes, but uh, 
I vaguely remember the whole idea of um, the thing you often hate about other people the most is what you hate about yourself. Um, and now, so in a lot of ways, like you can't say that that's a hundred percent true all the time. Like just because you dislike something about something else, someone else, you know, um, how rude they are to people. Well, that might be a reflection on you. That might be that you are rude to people too, but it might just be that you're recognizing something where you don't see the good coming out of it. Right. You know, but in the same breath, um, the hatred, if there's hatred in there, then there's probably about yourself. You know, you don't like that part or you hate that part about yourself. And so recognizing where maybe the Lord is calling you to a recognition that um, you yourself need to grow, right? You know, the only person that you can change is yourself. You can't force anybody else to change. You can't force, um, you know, that annoying person that uh, sits next to you in class. If you're in college or grade school or high school or whatever it is, you can't change your coworker. But what you can do is you can change how you react to it. You can change how, um, you know, uh, what I'm thinking often is, is that people will come and say, you know, um, so-and-so really irritates me because they hurt me when they say things like that, or they, they say things that are very, uh, distressing because it, it is attacking me or something like that. And so I, I often tell people, first off, and this is, this is totally a very difficult thing. Like I totally understand this is hard to do, but when you come into a situation with someone who is hurting you verbally, whether they realize it or not, um, you can just push that back on them, you know, understand that they're saying those things because they themselves are a hurt person, but then you can respond back with them. Um, really? Um, that's how you feel or, you know, things like, Oh, I didn't know that you felt that way. Can you explain that to me? Can you give me a specific example? Can you explain to me why it is that this bothers you? And often if the person can't do it, it's, it's not on you, it's on them, but you have to, take your time with it and you have to uh, be respectful with it. But um, also remembering that it's it, not to let those things that they're saying, um, you know, in the heat of the moment to hurt you, because that's when we respond back in negative ways. That's when we lash out. That's when we harbor hatred and anger in our hearts and wish evil upon others. It's, it's the moments of recognizing when we need to take a step back and, um, realizing that when people are hurt and they say things, it's it's not always about truly us, but they're lashing out at us in the moment. So, but also recognizing when true criticism, uh, and it's con it's important that we have constructive criticism, is coming our way, so that we can learn about our mistakes and our failures, so that we can grow to be a better person. Um, it's not always about us but sometimes it is and we have to pay attention to that and take to heart the good and recognize where we need some growth in our lives because no one's perfect well i think i've never met a perfect person one thing that's really missing in today's world is fraternal correction or just even just correction in general of um and i'm not talking about the wokeism and all this stuff that you see no. in the society but just the in the general hey you're you're being a mean person you're you know or you need to correct this, you need to work on this in your prayer life, you need to do this to build each other up, all for the goal of building each other up. Yeah, that's, I, I don't I don't know about you, Brother Barnabas, because you experience this more so in the community life, um, but even in my experience of priesthood, that is hard to do. 
that is so hard to do when, you know, I'm thinking of a situation in my life that I've experienced in the last few years, just so hard, you know, to even have to go to an equal and yet a senior be like, Hey, this isn't right. This isn't, this is not appropriate. This is not fair. Um, because, well, first off, they're my senior. I shouldn't be going to them like that. But sometimes it's necessary because we don't always see when we ourselves have made a mistake. And if they're truly humble and truly willing to let the Lord into their lives, and they would hopefully, we pray, be willing to um, listen to that correction. And maybe my correction's wrong, you know, maybe it's wrong, but being at least willing to listen to it and say, okay, then let me think about that. But that is one of the hardest things to do. And I, like I said, I don't know, Brother Barnabas, you, uh, obviously, thank God for St. Benedict, because he gives some great, great reflections on his, in his role on that. Before you dive into that, I just wanted to, what you just said there, Father, about, you know, maybe your correction's wrong, but you kind of want to get it out there, or it's very, it's very difficult to get it out there just because maybe someone that you're senior, or for a variety of reasons why. But I was just listening to one of Bishop Barron's podcasts today, and uh, he's talking about argument. We don't have argument anymore. Instead, it's just right. snarky comments back and forth. And argument right. is supposed to be a back and forth of just building each other up and, you know, here's my side. Okay, I respect your side. Here's my side. And then slowly coming to an agreement or maybe even not leaving without an agreement, but at least understanding each other's side back and forth and continuing to build on that until you finally understand where the other person's coming from. There is none yeah, of that anymore. I- I think that word understanding is huge in this whole conversation. If anything can be taken away is if we can seek to try to understand somebody else. And also I think we should have the gumption to want to be understood by other people. If it's a difficult thing, then that's really like a helpful spot. Cause I think understanding becomes a prerequisite for love, like willed love, not just like sympathy love. Um, but, I, uh, man, I was going to say something. Oh, I think that, um, for myself, I'm not, I'm kind of oblivious a lot of times about things. So I don't give, give a lot of correction unless I need to, you know? Um, and even with that, there's kind of like an art to do that where I've learned like, Oh, that wasn't the best way to do that. Maybe I can do it this way this time, you know? And like to, uh, I'm a quick responder as well. So if I see a problem, I might, I might want to like make a phone call right now. Well, I've realized like maybe I should take a little walk first and like, you know, eat a sandwich and then call this person to calm down a little bit. Everything's better but also, after a sandwich. Oh, dude. I had a tuna sandwich today. It was so good. <laughs> Maybe not um, that. <laughs> one thing I've realized for me that's really helpful, though, too, is whenever someone uh, unjustly treats me, you know, says something or corrects me in a way that I'm like, bro, get just get out of my hair. I don't even have hair. Um, I kind of feel that resentment building. I think resentment is something that can build. And I've realized even if I'm like, man, life's too messy. Either like I must have done something that I could have done better. Like, you know, like last week I had something where somebody said something to me and I was just like, that was not okay. And I was like, this is just stupid. So I finally like, and I was like, I'm not making the phone call. I'm not making the first move. I was like, forget this. I'm just not free. This is going to take away from other good parts of my life. So I made a phone call. I was like, hey, listen, man, like, uh, I'm sorry about what what happened there. You know, like, I, I'm sorry that like, I wasn't understood well if I didn't, because I wasn't like completely thought I was in the wrong. Um, but at the same time, like I could have been better and I'm just sorry. I don't want to, I want to break the tension if we can do that. And he's like, dude, yeah. And he apologized too. And we just like hugged it out over the phone, you know, to nip things in the butt quick, I think is helpful. 
Would you say nip things in the butt? I think I meant to say bud, but I said butt. <laughs> Can we edit that out? No. No. <laughs> the, uh, the, we don't pay the intern enough to do that, so. <laughs> intern? Wait a minute. Since when do we have an intern? Um, I don't, uh, not to put you on the spot, but as a monk um, and a Benedictine monk on top of that, I am going to throw you on the spot and say, uh, can you help me remember what St. Benedict says about fraternal correction and fraternal charity? Yeah. Am I frozen? Can you see me or hear me? Uh, I can see you, uh, but you are frozen video, but okay. audio as long as you, be good. As long as you can hear me. Yeah. So um, among the things that he says, he says, you know, uh, that we should, there's like a process even to it. He says that you should remind or you should correct the brother if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, if he does something wrong, you know, like once. And then, you know, give him a second reminder, right? And then like on multiple reminders, Benedict says you should send in two brothers of large stature to communicate the message to him. <laughs> Listen, bro, you need to get on board here with what we're asking to do. Uh, and Benedict is also not afraid of excommunicating a brother that's not willing to listen. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean like you're out of the club, forget you. It means, listen, you are putting yourself outside of the community. If you want to bring yourself back in and say, hey, we'll bring you back in. But right now you are excommunicated. You're not you're like you can't eat with us. You can't have the perks of like you eat, but by yourself, you're not part of the community. So, um. Yeah, Benedict is not messing around. But they, you do that out of love, right? It's not just because. I mean, think about screw your kids. You. We don't want you. you. Put your kids in time out or something, right? You know, right? Because otherwise, your kids grow up to be a little monster, and they can't relate with anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you that know, happens. That ha that's happening more and more. It happens as daily. Look around yeah. is, you know, people are. Um, I don't have to listen to you. Well, no, you're right. You don't. But guess what? If you if you if you choose not to, you like you said are removing yourself from this community. We do not want you with us because you are hurting us and you are hurting yourself. And it's to teach a lesson. That's, I think, not to get into the whole topic of excommunications, but that's exactly what the church says. You have done something to yourself. You have devoid yourself of this good. And so therefore you are not permitted to be a part of this group until you realize what you have done and are willing to come back and um, make yourself present before the Lord in his mercy. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, too, many, too many Catholics okay. don't understand what that means these days. Yeah. And when you hear about the whole thing about not giving politicians who vote for abortion communion, and people think of it as, well, you're just being mean to them. Well, no, it's it's actually we're trying to be loving towards them and to, trying to correct them. And it's not a, hey, we hate you because you're not on our side, so you can't enjoy communion or you have to be, you can't, you have to be excommunicated because we don't like you. No, it's the opposite. It's hard yeah. for people to understand it. And it goes back to people just not understanding what correction is these days. And instead it's, well, I can do no wrong. So how dare you say anything against what I say? It's just my truth. Yeah, we, we yeah. talk so much these days about rights, but with rights innately comes responsibilities as well. And um, we have to remember what our responsibilities are. And as Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility. I use so that like, all the time. Like, right. So like the example of the politician, like, man, it's, this is just too much of a public thing. Like, I'm going to scandalize my people or whatever. It's another deeper topic there.
Mm-hmm. One very practical tip here, right? I think that might be helpful. I learned in the monastery is when there's a difficult situation with a brother, right? Let's say I'm at a church with Father Andy and he's my pastor and I'm his parochial vicar. And, and uh, you you better believe that that would be like the worst possible thing for you because, gosh, everybody hates me. Dream team. Well, no. So let's say Pastor Andy is doing something that kind of bothers me. And I'm like, man, I just, you know, like we stop kind of looking at each other in the hallway in the rectory or then we stop like – I'm eating different times than he is, you know, all those things snowball, right? So how do we or end up living that? in a completely separate rectory and never seeing the pastor anyway? Yeah. Ouch. So I learned one little practice here in the monastery that we uh, learn is something called the criticism sandwich, right? So criticism sounds bad, but I can say like, Father Andy, man, uh, it's been like, I just, I'm really glad that you're the pastor because like I'd have no administration skills at all. And like you are keeping the ship running. I'm very impressed by all this stuff that, how this is going. Um, I also am just, I'm having a hard time with the fact that you're scheduling me on Tuesdays, man. I asked you not to, to do that. Cause that's whenever I, you know, go do whatever I do. You know? sure. So like, yeah, I can do it, but you like, you're doing it without my asking. It's bothering me and causing me like to be frustrated at you. But I really like appreciate, especially like just how you're leading me and saying mass, you know? So like you, you put something positive. That's true. You say what you need to say, which is like, Oh, okay. And then you like, end it with a positive, right? So Does in, that makes sense? In the business uh, leadership world, we call that something different that I can't repeat on this podcast, but basically a poop sandwich is kind of how we how we, yeah. how we make it. But see, in the Christian life, we're authentic. <laughs> we're compliments. <laughs> but that's the thing too, is you can really, you can, man, you can pick up on if people are authentic or not. Oh yeah, sure. Minute. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's also, I mean, that's a part of like Jesus says in the gospel, like, Shake the dust off your feet if you're not welcome there. You know, I almost rather have somebody that's like going to stay in the ring with me and argue than somebody that's going to kind of like smile and pretend. You know, like forget right. that. In in trying Don't to forget that. Pray for that. trying to come up Don't with your your, your criticism sandwich. Okay, so you have the main point that you want to talk about, and that's the only thing that's really bothering you. But now you got to come up with these other two things to kind of sandwich it in between. It makes you actually yeah. think about okay, what are the what are the good things about this person? And whether or not that, like, and you're not just trying to feed their ego if you do it right. It's genuinely trying to figure out, hey, what do I actually enjoy about this person that I can recognize that they're doing a good job? And that's maybe a good way of, that's part of building that relationship instead of just staring each other down or looking the other way in the hallway or eating at different times or whatever it may be. And it helps get you back to a relationship. Right. Well, and that's the thing is it, the difference between ref- stewing on things and like reflection to be like, can I really see this? One thing that's helpful though with that too is to actually sit and like Father Andy, you were saying like so many of us just like hate ourselves, right? Yeah. We just think that people are threats to our own little like uh, paper soft existences, you know, card, yeah. house of cards existence. One great practice that we're doing here in the seminary is something called the strength finders, right? Yes. And I've become yeah. a coach for the strength finders. I've coached over like 40 people. And the strength finders is really just a way to say, hey, you are unique and irrepeatably made and you have these certain strengths, right? That even some some other people might have some of them, but the way that they come out in you is very unique. So all of a sudden you have like a language of like, oh, I have gifts and this is my particular role that's important and I'm needed here. You can start to put up with other difficulties with people because you realize, oh, they have their gifts. I have my gifts. Some of them mingle well, some of them don't. But at least like we can identify like what some things are 
it within us rather than just like, oh, this guy doesn't like me. No, maybe we just see things differently. And that's a part of our, our nature, our gifts that we have. I think everybody needs to spend some time at a monastery because you guys live that every day where, Dude. you know, like I go to work with somebody, then I get to go home. I don't yeah, have to, don't get to, right. You're, you're with them all the time. And so oh, you, dude. you're, you're forced to, and you have to. And I think that's what you've gone through and what you're able, which the person that you are today because of your experiences are like, like you're incredibly strong in this and you could be a consultant. If you were in the business world, you can consult people and everyone would get along. Anyone who comes to you, you could get people to get along, I'm sure. And if we could all just find ways to learn about, you know, how you guys live in community and not kill each other and survive and thrive, you know, I think it'd be good for yeah. everybody. I think priests should do that too. Diocesan priests. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you that I, I listening to us talk about this is just like my experience, thinking about my experience on seminary in many different ways and how um, I kind of wish that I could go back to seminary and experience life a little bit differently because like I would change if I would have known about myself what I know now, I would completely change what I would have focused on in seminary because, you know, yeah. and, and see, I think that's a part of life in general, because as, at least in my experience so far of this very short life of uh, mine, that we always want to go back and try to fix it because we can see better hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And so um, I, I kind of feel like thinking back to my seminary days, like there was, uh, and I can't tell you how many priests I've heard this. I remember hearing this from when I was in seminary, but it's like, I wish I could enlighten some of the guys like, okay, this is really what you're going to experience. And this is what you really want to start focusing on and thinking about now. And it's these interpersonal relationships with our own brothers, right? Um, in when I was at St. Vincent's, one of the things that I really um, harped on was fraternity, right? Uh, Fratres in Unum. And Father Emmanuel always would recite that to us. Uh, Habitares, Fratres, and Unum, living together as brothers in one. And, uh, you know, it, it was my the motto of my high school, Fratres and Unum. And I think that's important because the only way that we can do this to get, it is together as brothers. And, um, and that means more than just, oh, yeah, we're brothers. Great. You know, oh, good, good guy, you know, over here. It, it, it's it's struggling through the pain and struggling through the imperfection and recognizing that nobody's perfect and you're not going to be perfect by the time you're done in seminary. So that way you can continue that journey and that growth because uh, if and I it's not that I ever. Uh, once thought this of myself, but I still encounter it with other people. If you think that you're going to be perfect after this one experience, well, I hate to break it to you, but you're not. You're not. And so it, it's this constant growth, this constant learning from one another and with one another so that we can enter into this experience of Christ in a new way. And, and let me maybe put a cap on that with a monastic uh, point of formation, Andy, that's very important for for monks that there's a rule of thumb that you should never, you know, I came to the monastery because there was some, yeah, great guys that really, I was like, man, I want to do like what they're doing, but you should never go to a monastery because of one of the brothers. Right. Oh, I'll go because he's there, you know, because he might not be there all the time. That's but right. You, also, you should also never leave the monastery because of one of the brothers, right? 
So what does that mean? That our whole existence, how does God fit into all this, right? Can we acknowledge that human relationships are beautiful and God has them in mind, but only God can fulfill us. And at the same time, human relationships are difficult and they can really like cause anxiety, but they can't completely destroy us as well. Only the Lord can, uh, can do all these things. He yeah. doesn't want to destroy yeah. us. He has, he has our good in mind. So bang. Bang. That was a great way to end it. Just like every podcast that you're on, Brother Barnabas, you always have the last word and you always tie a little bow on top. Nice and pretty. Way to go. I can't tie good things. I, I can tie fishing knots. Let's do that. All right. Let's do that. We got to we gotta do that. That'll be fun. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining uh, tonight. That was a great conversation. Really appreciate your time tonight. And uh, to all of our listeners, if you have not already subscribed to the podcast, please make sure that you do so wherever you listen to podcasts. And please give us a rating if you like us. If you don't like us, don't worry about it. Uh, but if if you do like us and you do give us a good rating, it, it the algorithms will show the podcast to more people. And that's what we really, uh, really need to do. Um, our listenership is growing and we are happy to see that. Um, and we want to make sure that we're delivering the best Catholic content that we possibly can. Uh, to all of our listeners. And so uh, this this podcast doesn't seem like a whole lot, but it, it takes a lot to produce and it takes a lot of um, a lot of our time. and but we we do it because we love it. And we do it because we want to share the the good word with everybody. So just share it like it, man. It's real. It takes you a minute, just a yeah, second. Just share do it, it like it. Just share do it, like it. it. Yeah. So we can head over to our website encountermercy.com, send it to somebody, as we mentioned in the last podcast, just share it with one person. That's all it takes. All right. Until next time, everybody, God bless you.